Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And my name is Joss Golden. And today we are talking all about learning styles. So we're still on Aletha Salter's amazing, gorgeous Aware Parenting Principles of Learning, which you can find on her website, awareparenting.com. And this one is number eight, which, so I'll read out what she says here. There are a variety of learning styles based on seven forms of intelligence, logical, mathematical, verbal, visual, spatial, kinesthetic, musical, interpersonal, and intrapersonal. Traditional schools usually emphasize logical, mathematical, and verbal learning styles. Children who do not learn well in traditional schools may benefit from an approach that emphasizes another form of intelligence. Yes. Mm, Yes. Yes. I love it. Such a broad understanding about the, again, it comes down to that unique differences between each individual child and how all of us will have a different blend of these different styles of learning and these different forms of intelligence and that when we are supported to learn in a way that fits with our own unique blend of learning styles, it's so obvious that our learning is going to be so much more effective than if we're forced to, to limit ourselves to learning in a, a, a small variety of ways, which often are not fitting for us at all. Yes, and it's so, I mean, it's, what I'm thinking is unfair. I mean, it really doesn't meet needs for fairness, does it? When when school environments are really valuing just two forms of, of, of learning and there are so, so many more so that any children that don't really excel in those two are really at such a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And then as we've talked about in other episodes, often get um, judged or shamed or labeled and seen as there's something wrong with them rather than you were sharing a beautiful metaphor earlier. I wonder if you'll share that again, rather than actually it's the system that is awry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was talking before about using an analogy of like a plant growing. And if there was a plant that was not doing well and was like not thriving, we wouldn't like blame the plant and and say that there was something wrong with the plant. We would look at the environment in which the plant is growing and see how the environment wasn't meeting that plant's needs for whatever it was that it needs in order to thrive. So you know, you can't you can't grow a plant in a dark room with no water, with no soil. You know, you have to you have to give the plant what it needs, what that each individual plant needs in order to thrive most. And the fact that the schools concentrate so much on these very limited forms of intelligence and forms of learning is much more about the school than about the fact that that is actually useful or helpful for children to learn or useful or helpful for children to learn what they need to learn in order to to thrive in society as as adults doing what they what they're called to do and and contributing to their life and to society so it's not only is it unfair on children it's it's so clearly all about just about the school doing what the school is designed to do rather than actually to support children. And when I say what the school is designed to do, I'm talking about keeping children busy, occupying children so that their parents can go out to work and earn money and all that kind of thing, not about actually 
supporting children to, to thrive in their learning. And I, I want to say that, of course, there are some schools that really do embrace this and do offer a much more varied and broad to learning to support more and more children. But the majority of schools are still very limited. Yes, and I think it's even more than that, isn't it? Because I think my, my own experience is the that deconditioning process because I grew up in this culture and I think most of us have internalized this as well the idea that those two forms of learning are superior in some way you know that logical mathematical and verbal learning is superior learning and everything else is kind of you know that's that's what other people do and I know for myself it took some years to really free myself up from that in the natural learning journey as well there was still this sense of yeah yeah but, you know, sitting at a desk and writing and doing sums or writing things or reading things, that's real learning. And the the level at which that was embedded in me, but yeah, it took really quite some time to free myself up from that. Mm, yeah, I think I'm still freeing myself up from that, to be honest. I think there's still times when I when I give more value to that type of learning, that more academic kind of learning than to other forms of learning even though I've been yeah, on this journey to free myself of that for a long time and what I really realize when I reread these principles of learning and this particular one from Aletha I really see how when you have this perspective about learning and learning styles you can see that everybody is really really intelligent in at least one way probably in, in multiple ways and yet so many people leave school thinking that they're not intelligent at all simply because that particular form of intelligence isn't something that is uh, a high skill for them and how devastating I mean we spoke a bit about this last week too but how how devastating to leave school and to think you're not intelligent oh I'm just stupid I'm not smart simply because I'm not good at this sort of verbal logical mathematical type of learning it's so restrictive for people and of course when you see it in a much more broad way you see that everybody's really really intelligent in in at least one way it's so much more a celebration of everybody's unique gifts and contributions isn't it yes again it's so the, the so unfair isn't it so unfair because there are so many people like we as you say we all have deep intelligence and often it's the more embodied forms of intelligence you know i love here the you know interpersonal and intrapersonal so someone who's you know deeply um you know in terms of relationships with other humans is like amazing an amazing listener and amazing being compassionate and all of these things really understands other humans or someone who's really deeply connected with themselves and their own sensations and their body and really and really is so deeply connected those are not valued at all in this culture are they they're just seen as like again some just yeah not not valuable things and i just think it's part of the disconnected domination culture that really has been around for thousands of years which values basically anything that isn't related to the body and feelings so the more kind of abstract it is the more the further away it is from actually real lived experience the more it's valued in the ddc mm -hmm. really i think with aware parenting and natural learning we're reclaiming aren't we feelings that the absolute wisdom of feelings the absolute wisdom of the body the absolute wisdom of connection attunement relationship empathy compassion that those are so valuable and important and as we were talking about before we started recording actually in terms of what the world needs yes great for all those people out there who 
physicists or mathematicians doing amazing things, but actually I think in terms of what the world needs, we we actually really need a lot more compassion. And these these forms of learning actually are more required in terms of where we are in the world right now, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And I think that it is such a beautiful thing about aware parenting that it does recognize that these things are so important and that supporting our children to develop these things are so important. And I just see, have seen so many times with my children being learning at home, how they are just allowed to, that just facilitates their learning in such a beautiful way because sometimes they might be using their skills in, in that interpersonal type intelligence in order to learn something. And sometimes they might be using their skills in you know, that sort of kinesthetic intelligence to be learning something. And, and often it's a combination of these things and, and it flows. And it, some things, like I know for myself, some things I learn better in, a, in that sort of more verbal, logical, mathematical way. But sometimes I, some things I learn much better through, through that interpersonal type learning. So it's, it's just so much more adapting our learning all the time depending on what we're learning and where we're learning it and it's just a it's a sort of vibrant and organic kind of process as, as we use these different skills but it's just you can see the variety you can see the the potential for inspiration for people and the potential for learning when the the opportunities are, are endless in terms of what they're going to do and what they're going to learn. Oh, I love that you use that word organic. That was the word I was thinking of as well. And again, because we have this lens, don't we, of the DDC that it's only these two forms of learning that are valued, it can be actually really hard sometimes, can't it? I, I found it harder in the earlier days to go, oh, this is actually learning too. And this is learning. This is, this is, everything's learning. It's all learning. So again, I think it's, well, I know for me, it took time to really take off, gradually peel away that conditioning that actually this is learning and everything else is just I don't know what else. I don't know what I what category I put it in. Not valuable anyway. Oh, it's just yeah. that's life. But this is learning. This is learning, mm. and everything else is just life. Whereas, what I love about natural learning is it's all learning. And I love how you talked about that. You know, sometimes I know for me, sometimes I really need actually someone to be with me and showing me something at the same time, and me to be doing it at the same time. I really sometimes sometimes I really need that kind of connection and embodiment to really learn something I could see it written down I listened to it I could watch a video and I wouldn't actually learn it but I need someone to just be with me whilst I'm doing it and they're doing it too and again a lot of things we would have naturally learned in that way wouldn't we and that's how very small children they're learning aren't they through observing and being around us all the time and trying things out what is this walking thing and you know this inbuilt also desire to be competent and to learn and to learn the things that they see others doing it's just so mm. much more enjoyable, isn't it? Because it's everything's included, nothing's nothing's excluded, nothing's taken away. It's all important and valuable and part of learning journey. Yeah, it's really interesting what you were saying, Marion, about how in in this this culture we see learning as as this separate thing to life. And yeah, I've, I noticed that in myself a lot as well. I would be like, oh, if my kids are doing their times tables, then they're learning. But if they're just chatting and, and making themselves a snack or, you know, whatever else they're doing, just living, then that's not learning somehow. But of course, like if you look how we evolved to live, well, that's how we learned is through living. That's exactly how we learned everything that we needed to learn in order to, to, to thrive, to, to know what, to pass down stories, to, to learn about our culture, to learn about how to, 
how to live and how to make use of our environment and how to be sustainable and all of those things. That was just by living. It wasn't by sitting in a classroom, reading a book and writing an essay. So it's, and of course there's a, there's place for that. There's place for sitting, sitting down, reading things and writing things. Of course there is, but it's just so much more than that. And seeing learning just in that very narrow lens is, is so missing so much of, of all of the other beautiful aspects of learning too. Yes, and when we see through this lens, once we've unclouded that conditioning, everything becomes magical, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but if I look at babies or toddlers or my mum who's 91 and I see the the learning, when we observe what they're doing and go, oh, look how they're, they're learning, like a toddler, you know, dropping things if they're in a high chair and they're repeatedly dropping things. So often that can be part of their learning about you know gravity or what happens you know what happens if I oh I just let go of this thing and it falls to the ground it's amazing isn't it to actually then be seeing through those eyes and to be actually observing someone else whether that's our child or or us or our parent or our partner or friend learning something it's actually a magical process isn't it that that process by which we we experiment and we observe and we then we try things out and we do them a different way and we take in information it's actually quite an incredible process when we when we see it with compassion and without any judgment about which which forms are superior or not. Mm, yeah, I, I love that scene, just seeing the value in everything, in all experiences in terms of learning. And often we say as adults, don't we, that our biggest challenges in life are often where the biggest gifts lie in terms of our learning. And so that we do understand that perspective more as adults, but with children, we're just wanting to fit them into those boxes. And it's really hard to, to unlearn that and to decondition ourselves from that, even when we're homeschooling, because often we're having to still fit our children's learning into boxes for the homeschool moderators. And so there is still this sense that we need to translate what we're doing in day-to-day life into specific activities that fit their definition of what learning is. So it's it makes it really hard to really break free of that. Yes, it does, doesn't it? It's almost like we're we're freeing ourselves up, but on the other side, there's more. Like, no, no, don't free yourself. Just stay. This is this is. You need to be reading and writing. They need to read and write and do maths. That's very very important. Most important than anything else. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if they actually pick up a violin at age five and they just obsessed by music and want to do it all the time. Doesn't matter about that put that violin down, come and do your maths homework. Mm. Yeah, it's so sad, isn't it? Too. It's another way in which we, mm, most of us grew up not having our talents and interests and passions and preferences really valued and honoured and supported and encouraged. I mean, it's so wonderful, isn't it? When we get to do that with our children, we get to go, oh, look, they actually love this way of learning and they love learning about this. And we actually support that and encourage that and, and you know, they spend lots and lots of time doing those things. It's so wonderful. And yes, they may, we may still prefer that they can read and write because it's really useful in the society, but it doesn't become like the be all and end all to, to do those all the time. Mm, yes. And there's so many layers to freeing ourselves in, in that process, isn't there? And so much judgment around what things are valuable learning activities and what aren't. And yeah, so getting free of that was also quite a process. And just seeing the learning opportunities in absolutely everything that our children do, whether that is reading a book or whether that is wandering around the garden or whether that is hanging out with friends 
or whether that's listening to music or learning to cook or, you know, the, the, everything that our children are doing, they are learning whilst they do it. And so, yeah, it is that real gradual process of, of recognizing that and understanding that and freeing ourselves from it is, is hard. And I, I shared a post this week about, you know, some of my hardest most difficult times were when I really lost that trust that actually they were learning all the time. I love that title of that book. That's the John Holt book, isn't it? Learning all the time. And when I went back into that very narrow focus of what learning was, and then I started getting stressed and fearful about whether they were learning or not. And I'd really love now looking back to be able to see how clear it is with hindsight that they were learning all the time. And I would love to you know, offer parents who are earlier on in the process this deep sense of trust that your children will learn you know it's impossible to stop them from learning and they will learn whatever they want to do and they will learn how to learn so that whatever they choose to do later even if they completely change their minds in what they want to do they know how to learn it and they will know how to explore it and they will be really free to explore it in all the ways that work best for them rather than just in that narrow focus that they would have had if they'd been at school. So it's a difficult process to trust. So I really yeah, send lots of love to anybody listening who's in this process of starting to try to free themselves of this sort of limited view of what learning looks like and to trust that it, it is happening. It, it's happening all the time, all around you, with your child in all the things that your child is choosing to do. And all of those activities are of value to them in terms of what they're getting out of it and what they're learning from it. Mm, I love all of that, Joss. And the added thing as well, of course, is that they are not going to be judging, you know, if they just love music and that's what they want to do, they're not going to be judging themselves. So that's somehow inferior because they're, they're not really into maths and reading and writing. So that again is a incredible gift that they're not going to be needing to do these years of, of un, un, unpeeling and unveiling and deconditioning all these beliefs about what's superior mm, yeah and they're not going to grow up thinking that they're stupid and that there's something wrong with them and that they're not very intelligent they're not going to be comparing their intelligence to other people and they're not going to be thinking you know someone someone's so and so is more intelligent than i am or i should be more intelligent or i wish i was more smart or any of those things they're just going to be it's just not even going to be part of their awareness that it's possible to compare themselves to other people in terms of intelligence because they're just going to be enjoying all the things that they're learning and, and seeing value in that. So liberating for them. Yeah, so liberating, isn't it? Do you know what I'm remem remembering in my psychology degree? Did you learn it too? Like, was it Gardner? What was his name? Gardner, mm. the multiple yep. forms of intelligence. And yes. even though learning that, that was like 1987 to 1990, learning all that. And yet still, you know, a decade or more later when I went, when I had children, I still thought that reading and writing mm. was learning. And I, and despite learning that. So again, it's even seeing there that it really often can take quite some time to free ourselves from from this way of thinking and also to yeah. see all the ways that we're constantly learning particularly in parenting particularly with aware parenting and natural learning we are constantly learning new things we're constantly unlearning as well aren't we we're, which is exactly what we're talking about but i think it's also really seeing that too that, that it's a constant learning journey and if we're willing to keep on learning that means we are going to know things that we didn't know earlier on and that's why it's so important in terms of what i love talking about dropping those emotional sticks 
because if we want to learn and we're willing to learn about parenting and natural learning, there are, there are going to be so many things we know more about. So it's no point going back and judging ourselves for what we didn't know before. Just as isn't when we wouldn't judge our child when they tend to say, "Do you know what? When you were when you were you know six months old, you couldn't walk. How terrible is that? That's so yeah. terrible of you. What a terrible person you are." It's, it's you know it's the same thing. It's of course just makes no sense. It makes no sense to judge ourselves ever, but that can be a helpful way of looking at it as well. Yeah, I love everything I've learned from you about that, Marion. It's so helpful, and I even notice like in experiences that I have where things come up and I tend and I have this moment of, oh, I wish I'd done it differently. I wish I'd really trusted their learning. I wish I hadn't got stressed and upset. I wish I hadn't threatened them with this, that and the other about going to school or, you know, all of these things. And yeah, when we can just bring so much compassion to ourselves, like you say, about the things that we didn't know when we didn't know them. But now that we do know them, we we can start to do things differently, but that it's really not as much as possible, we, we drop those judgments. It's it's so important in that process. Oh, yes, it's so interesting as well, isn't it? That that includes learning, learning to trust or relearning to trust our children, ourselves, the learning process. There's all the ways that we're parenting deeply trusts human beings. I mean, that's the biggest learning mm. journey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I think what's so beautiful about aware parenting is this deep knowledge that we get, this evidence that we get all the time that it's it's never too late, that we can always heal, that any time we make a mistake, we can rewind, we can repair, and that process brings so much extra love and connection and understanding with our children. And so, yeah, that it's there's there's nothing that aware parenting there's nothing that can happen that aware parenting can't like fix and make good again and heal and support so it's it's really lovely to that's such a liberating knowledge as well just to know that even when we have done things in ways that are unenjoyable or even when we have allowed our conditioning around our learning to get in the way or whatever it is aware parenting shows us how to how to rewind and how to make that all good again how to acknowledge everybody's feelings and how to be compassionate with our children and with ourselves about it so it's just such a gift i love it so much (laughs) so wonderful isn't it i'm having another look at the list as well i'm thinking might i wonder if to our listeners whether you might want to actually have a look at this list yourself and and be watching out for observing or noticing these forms of learning in your child or your children and yourselves as well as like you know it, verbal learning when you're having a conversation with someone or or you know kinesthetic just all the ways that we're learning about our our environment and our senses and our body just through and life through our, our felt sense i mean it's just so much gorgeous learning that's happening mm. And to really yeah. again to as part of that process of of unlearning that there are these two ways that are the only ways to to really consciously be really noticing, making that more of a conscious process. My apologies about the birds. They're really they don't they're not normally in the daytime. They they're having lots of fun. They are, they love learning. They love learning. <laughs> flying around in circles. The little baby ones round and round. Look at me, I can fly. Beautiful. And it was interesting what you're saying about gardeners work, because I remember learning that in my psychology course as well. And whilst I understood it, I still thought that 
that was more, you know, that some were more important and some were more valuable than others. So it was like, there are all these different ways, but <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. That understanding that I have now that there is, that it's not a value judgment. It's just an, it's just a, a way of describing all the different things that are going on. But yes, I'd love to also, I like that invitation to encourage people to look at their children and all the different skills and all the different forms of intelligence that they are bringing to their learning. It's a lovely invitation. Yes, and we can reflect back on our own experiences and thinking about the times we would have heard things like, okay, stop playing now, no no more playing, come on, it's time to get to work. And we might have been learning all kinds of things in that play. We might have been role-playing things with our friend where we're learning to understand about relationships or about this thing that we've heard or all the ways that we would have been, that would have been where the um, programming happened, the conditioning happened to, to basically say play is not a form of learning and no chatting to your friend, that is not a form of learning or it's not valuable. All the ways we would have heard hundreds and thousands of times that what what we were doing or you know we might have loved sewing might have been spending hours sewing and it's like no get put your sewing down time to do your homework all the ways that we we were naturally trying to learn in ways that were really enjoyable and helpful for us and we would have got that message that "Mm -mm, no not valuable and I also want to say you know like you Joss I and I think I shared that at the beginning there were many times where I also was like no that isn't to know my own children even though I was learning this stuff so I really invite anybody you know if you're still doing this to put any sticks down and just to know again this is part of our own learning process that we you know I do see it as a you know thousands of years that the 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 mind has been valued above body and feelings and this is not a small process that we're doing as we decondition ourselves from these ways of thinking it's a massive thing that we're doing and the fact that we're doing it at all I think is incredible and amazing and of course Mm -hmm. there could be ways in which those that conditioning does still show up in places from time to time and so I wonder if it's helpful to think about this thousands of years our ancestors were were you know seeing that particularly in more colonized or colonizer countries that these kinds of things are the most valuable and, and digging a garden in the ground or you know watching one's parents dig a garden in the ground no that's not valuable that's just that's not important no. yes I'm remembering so many times when I was really engaged in things as a child that I really loved and there was this judgment that I was wasting time and that I needed to stop doing that and come and do proper learning and yeah it's I see so much sense that it's it's just about the school system just seems the more I look at it the more we talk about it the more it just seems obviously it fulfills a role and obviously there are schools that are good and obviously there are children who have to go to school but it's just so insane (laughs) that this is the widely held belief is that school is where children go to learn and that teachers are what we need in order for our children to learn. And it just seems to be so when you have this perspective about what learning can look like and what learning can involve and how learning can be so much more uniquely suited to each of our child's unique needs, interests, wants, skills, 
it's just so obvious that it's going to be a more enjoyable experience and a more effective experience to have our children out of the school environment where possible. I had myself muted. And I think the, the way we're thinking about it really is it's because schools are part of this system that, you know, they're such a key part of the DDC. So it's not, you know, it's not schools itself, really. It's actually the DDC and it's these core ways of thinking. The schools are part of, of transmitting those beliefs and they do it very effectively. Like, as you say, most of us do leave school thinking either I am smart because I passed lots of exams that I needed to do lots of reading and writing for, or I'm stupid because I actually much prefer, you know, tinkering in the in the garage or the garden or sewing or whatever those things were. And it's just I feel so sad when I think about all the children and all the adults who that they've become who have learnt actually not only about these forms of learning but actually about themselves or beliefs about themselves which is so painful so painful. yeah yeah and as we were saying last week it's so hard to unlearn that about yourself it's such a long process to to unlearn that and I'm still doing that about myself and I'm, I'm, I know part of me knows anyway that I am actually capable and intelligent but there's still a big part of me that thinks yeah, but not really. And so I'm just imagining, yeah, that that is true for so many of us that we leave school thinking, yeah, that we're not not very smart or not smart enough. Or, and then that just sets you up for a, a big a big process to unlearn it or or a lot of a lot of unhappiness because if you don't unlearn it, because you always have that sense that there's something wrong with you, that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy. So, so deeply, deeply, excruciatingly painful. It is so deeply painful. I so resonate with you years and many, many years of, and also the things like, these are often quite hard to get to, aren't they? Like years of therapy and so on. I think, you know, as we've been talking about, so often we do focus on, you know, what we experience from our parents and then maybe later on about our culture. But so often these core beliefs about, about, about learning, about, education about competence these are often we don't even touch the sides of these ones because they're again they're not seen they're, they're hidden because it's just seen as the way things are but you know we might do lots and lots of inner work but still believe we're not intelligent because we haven't even looked at that yet we haven't even considered all the ways that we got traumatized by these beliefs at, at school yeah, and and even when we do, so many of us do start to do that work and try to try to unlearn some of that and try to heal some of these wounds, and yet we're still sending our children to school. And you know, I heard the other day that in the UK, six thousand children a year go now to boarding schools. And so I'm just thinking, you know, there's so many parents who went to boarding schools themselves who are sending their children to boarding schools. So it's like. When these, when these wounds don't get to be healed in that way, then you can see how that's passed then on to the next generation. Because if, if you really spent time actually healing and, and acknowledging the trauma that you received at boarding school, there's no way you would send your child into that environment. No way at all. So you can see how it just perpetuates itself more and more. And then each that, that trauma just gets passed down to the next generation. And it's, it's so devastating. So devastating, isn't it? 
and and really effective in terms of you know what's designed to happen is the passing down of a, a culture and a set of beliefs and that you know that ddc that really works doesn't it it works very effectively it's almost like i'm thinking of it you could think of like we're the i don't know like a dog with fleas like we're 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 the dog and the the fleas of the ddc like it's it you know, works really well that's what it's designed to do but the, the cost to human well-being is is huge isn't it so much suffering created and recreated and recreated and intensified yes and i'm imagining as well all the people who have amazing unique talents and incredible intelligences and things who never get the opportunity to share that with the world and so we are you know, the world is robbed of of all of that talent and all of that potential for things to be created that are amazing or yeah it's just it's sad it's such a waste and of course again as part of that ddc that's what the ddc wants because it wants people to come out of school thinking that there's something wrong with them and that they're a bit stupid so that they're willing to go and turn up at factories and do jobs that need to be done and be willing to suffer and, and just you know endure the ordeal of their working life in order to you know contribute to society in the way that it says it needs to make to make things and I mean I don't know how far to take this conversation but you can see why it's it's very effective isn't it well yeah and also then to be wanting to constantly buy stuff that the big multinational corporations are telling us we really need to help us feel happy and to fill that hole inside that's created by the system the system yeah. has, has stuff to sell us that will apparently help us feel more comfortable again I mean again it works really really well doesn't it yeah yeah, but it's got nothing to do with intelligence or well-being, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly doesn't. Ah, but I also want to say, oh, that's what I was remembering as well. There was a, mm, I went to these things called the Uplift Festival in Byron Bay in 2012 and then the few years afterwards and there was an amazing spoken word poet and I've totally forgotten his name now and I used to remember some of the words. He's a, an Australian guy and there was a beautiful spoken word poem about all the um all the things in the graveyard all the all the restaurants never opened all the books never written all the you know all the the gardens never created you know and it I just remember crying 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 every time I listened to that because there is this so much missed human potential like so much like you think about the human beings I think are so incredible aren't they I've got full body tingles I love watching those those programs like Britain's Got Talent and so on, the singing ones, the voice. But I really love it when it's the auditions and the, you know, someone turns up on the stage and maybe they're really quiet or maybe they're kind of wearing unusual clothing or they're older or they're younger and and then people might be kind of looking and judging and then suddenly they open their mouth and this such profound music moving music pours out and it's like you see we, we see don't we see that the soul of that human being that unique being that they are communicated and expressed and that's what i see we all have that we all are a unique human being we all have particular gifts and talents and and imagine if we lived in a culture where every single human being right right from in utero but you know when they're born we'd be and I, we've talked about this before that we were observing them. You know, what do they? What are they drawn to? What do they like? I, I, I think I might have shared before already. My apologies. But I remember my daughter as a baby. She was particularly drawn by. We had a little bit of gold tinsel kind of above where I used to change her nappy, and 
just to be in trance. And I know that's really normal and natural. That's actually what I studied in developmental psychology. But anyway, she was particularly interested by beauty. And, you know, one of her passions is, is creating art. She creates beautiful art. And, you know, throughout her younger years, I would, I would support her in, because I noticed that with my son, he really enjoyed little wooden trailers, things that pulled along things and blocks. And then he, you know, now he's passionate, he became passionate about Minecraft when he got older. So when we really, really observe, can you imagine if every human being had, a, we lived in a culture where the, the job of the adults was to observe the child and to to notice what they were drawn to what they loved what they wanted to explore and were supported in that because they knew that that's what creates a healthy vibrant truly healthy co-creative society by actually nourishing children's gifts because then they become adults who are doing what they're here to do fulfilling their potential and giving that to the culture i mean that would transform everything wouldn't it along with aware parenting of course and you know listening to their feelings and meeting their needs but it's so vital and so missing in this ddc mm. yes oh, i love that Marie. yeah i get it that's, that's so it would be so the, the, you just get this sense of potential the sense of creativity the sense of wonderfulness in the world it's just so Oh yeah, so beautiful to imagine that, and and we can see that in our own children so often. Like you say, the differences that we notice in our children and what they're drawn to, how they learn things, how they're processing things, and of course, it's not possible to to observe that in the school environment. But when we have our children out of that, we can really, really see all the things that they're doing and all the different ways that they're making sense of the world around them, that they're exploring the things that they're really drawn to. It's so it's such a miraculous process to watch. And it's been, and that's one of the things I've loved about homeschooling so much is being there, actually watching it day in, day out, and seeing our kids yeah, explore the world around them in the way that suits them best. So lovely. It is wondrous, isn't it? And as I reflect back on that, and I think I remember Lana at you know, a few months old looking at the tinsel and her at 20 now and doing the, her digital art for our book that we're creating together and being in wonderment of it and the same with my son remembering him with his little little trailers and now seeing how his you know his like what's it called like spatial like maths and spatial understanding is just phenomenal in a way that I just can't even really understand it's so beautiful to have to have been there from that beginning those beginning moments to now and every step in between to actually see the step-by-step process I mean it's it's wondrous isn't it learning Mm -hmm. is wondrous when we actually really get to enjoy it without this conditioning of what is what is good learning and what isn't good learning like that word good Mm -hmm. yes so much beauty isn't there in actually being there throughout that process Yes, and I'm just noticing as well, like my son's just come home for a few days and we're having these really beautiful conversations. And the other night we had this amazing conversation as a family and it reminded me of all of the conversations that we've had and how conversation was such a huge part of of their learning and our learning too and us learning from each other. And that's not valued at all in school, is it? I mean, it's just if you're talking at school, you get into trouble for it. But yeah, I've just seen so often what a hugely valuable activity that's been for all of us to learn from each other and to share that with each other it's just yes and and it's ongoing it's still it's still happening I I learned so much from them in our conversation that we were having the other day it's just yeah 
beautiful. It is living learning. That's exactly what it is. That's why I love that term too, that natural learning, because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I love that too. Living is learning. Learning is living. They're bedfellows. Yes, yeah. And it's funny, again, how your people would say things like, oh, do you still learn? Do you still do your homeschooling in the holidays? (laughs) And things like, it's just such a different, you know, there, there is this sort of, understanding that when you're homeschooling what you're doing is basically school at home and so you're doing it in the same way that you would at school and often when we first take our kids out of school that's what we think too and then increasingly as we get free of that we just see that the learning is going on all the time whether it's from the you know moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and it it looks very different every moment it's that yeah there's equal value to all the different things that our children are doing and I think that is that's the really key thing I would really love people to to learn I wish I'd understood that earlier on in the process that that deep genuine sense of of all activities having the same value in terms of learning such a big yes to that yes and to really to really 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 get that to really keep thinking that and for ourselves as well like you know, and whatever it is, I, I have a particular penchant. That's a nice word, isn't it? For reading, yeah. like what I call trashy novels. Like I really love reading trashy novels. I learn so much from them. I learn about more about human nature. I always learn. Always have. I know this isn't aware parenting, but always, they always have messages from life for me. Like there's nothing that we can be doing. You know, even if we put judgments on them, whether it's like I don't know reality tv or something again there are all these judgments aren't they about what's valuable and what isn't but again we're we're learning we're learning about human beings we're learning about ourselves like whatever it is that we're that we're watching again there are certain things aren't they that aren't seen as valuable i'm thinking for ourselves as well like you know maybe watching you know i had a big process the other day about about the my voice and not being heard and i was crying and i really felt cool to watch these programs with the people singing and and you know you could make some judgment couldn't you somebody could judge that like you spent a couple of hours watching singing shows and crying like there's there's no value in that. <laughs> it was so valuable it was such a valuable learning healing process like everything if we take away that judgment mm-hmm. of what's valuable and what isn't and really that's come we deeply trust ourselves and we deeply trust our children and then everything becomes magical even the you know the painful parts still magical yeah I'm just thinking as I'm hearing you speak there about my when I was a child there was this real clear sense both at school and at home of what was a suitable learning activity and what was a waste of time and I remember this phrase that came into my mind when I was listening to you speaking was it'll rot your brain (laughs) Uh, and I I actually I've heard myself say that to my children as well in in the past like that judging their activities and what they were choosing to do and that sense it'll rot your brain and I I see that it's just so the opposite is true and you know that when you when you just limit yourself to one particular type of activity in order to learn that's where all the other aspects of your brain don't have the opportunity to to be ignited and to be developed and to be expanded and so that's that's so much more so clear to me now that yeah, that's what what really lights up your brain is when you are able to to choose what you want to do and to explore it in your own way. That's what that's what makes your brain come alive. Yes, and free, and your feelings too. You can see that, can't you? 
or you see it with with friends but also with mentees I see you know when they start talking about something that they're really passionate about we we do come alive don't we and that's that's so wonderful to get to actually really listen to that aliveness and and follow that and you know learning something that we love through the ways that we love learning is a completely different thing from from being forced to learn things that we have no interest in and and in a style and format which it actually really doesn't suit who we are Mm. and and how we function yes Mm. Mm. yes I learned so much. I mean, it's just the the meta level, isn't it? I learned so much through our conversations. So much. Yeah, me too. I wish we'd started talking about this years ago, and then I would have been clear about this years ago, and then I would have had less unenjoyable moments with my children where I was like telling them that their brain was rotting because they were playing Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm totally with you. Same, same, same. <laughs> That's part of the thing, isn't it? We probably wouldn't have been, we might not have been ready for this conversation. Yeah. No. wouldn't have been ready for the, the recording it on a podcast certainly I wouldn't have been anyway no 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 thanks Joss thank you so much Marion hmm. I'm wondering if there's anything you want to offer people at the end of this conversation that you think might be helpful yeah I, well I'd love to repeat actually what I said and I'm going to do it as well I'd like to re reignite that and I have my son and my daughter my mum we all live in close proximity and we're at home most of the time and I'd really love to actually consciously go oh I wonder that this is you know to actually really be observing what each of us is doing and to be seeing it through these eyes even more so yeah I invite anybody who would like to do the same with their child children themselves anyone else that they're around and to really observe and notice what they see mm. Yeah, well, I'm going to do that too. That's lovely. <laughs> and I think I would say to when you, yeah, if you're starting to find yourself going into that doubt and the fear and that conditioning around learning and what learning looks like is coming up for you, I really encourage you to reach out for support, whether that's from a listening partner or having a session with somebody or connecting with somebody in your in your homeschool community. And just getting the opportunity to to share those feelings and share those fears and worries and, and speak them out loud to somebody else so that you then get really clear and get back connected to what you really believe and what you really value so that you can offer your children that, that understanding and, and take your fears and worries somewhere else. Yeah. And if you have taken your fears and worries to your children, I have too many, many times. And again, to remember with Aware Parenting, we can always rewind, we can always repair. Can always listen to their feelings we can always give them love and we can always explain and give ourselves love too yes such a big yes to that you love it and just your offerings what would you like to share about today i think i'd like to share about my yeah my work parenting teenagers course which again like it's really relevant to what we're talking about because i have i've got people joining the course who've never done anything about aware parenting before and know nothing about aware parenting and I've got people who've been doing it for a little while and I've got people who've been doing it for a long time and I've got people who are experts in aware parenting so again whatever level whatever stage you're at whatever yeah wherever you are in the journey there's there's something to something to learn something to share more layers it's uh, yeah so it's it's I think it's helpful for everybody (laughs) regardless of where you're at in that process just to yeah, re-remember, re-learn or, or learn afresh. So yeah, there's 
that my course is available and the first live round starts on the 28th of November. So I'm really looking forward to that. What about you, Marion? So wonderful, Joss. I'm intending to join, as you know. So thank you for that reminder. I've, I've got my sale, my once a year sale on at the moment. So every day I announce a new course and each one's on sale for 48 hours. Um, 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 um. So that's that's on right now. I'm really enjoying revisiting them all and sharing about them. Is there one that you revisited as part of the sale process that you thought, oh, I really love, I mean, you probably love all of them, but is there one that you that you really no, I do. Go and, Oh, I remember that one. And I actually have the sense of I'd love to go back and revisit them all and add more to them. If we had five more times of hours in every day, that would be really <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I love, I love your courses. I've done so many of them and I just think they're amazing, life-changing. So yes. And how beautiful that you offer them on sale. It's so generous of you to do that. I really like doing it. Yay. Love sales. Yes. Oh, well, thank you everybody so much for, for being a part of this and listening. We so appreciate you and we're loving the process of podcasting, as you have probably gathered. Yes, thank you all so much. Lots of love to you. Yeah, so much love. We have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too. We are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information. To find out more about Marion's work, you can go to marionrose.net and for Joss's website, it is awareparenting.com.au. We wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures.